Rainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day, great evening, great weekend. Whenever it is that you're getting a chance to give this a listen, I hope you're having a good time. Before we get into this week's guest, I wanted to do a local, or not local, but like a wrap-up, you know, just so everyone's aware of uh, all the upcoming shows that are happening in Manitoba and the surrounding areas because there are a lot of them going on right now. Now, if you're able to, Time Bomb Pro Friday, May 20th is putting on a no ring death match featuring Ricky Noren versus Diaside. That is worth checking out. Also on the card, Casanova Valentine versus Damon Spriggle. I mean, Time Bomb, they put on a fantastic show. This is happening at the aquarium in Fargo. Tickets are available, so go. If you're heading down or you want to get away for the weekend, go down there, go check out a Time Bomb show. You will not be disappointed. It is a great time, let me tell you. So that's May 20th. Next week, on May 26th, 3D Pro, which I will be doing commentating for the show. I'm very happy to be a part of the uh, 3D Pro team doing this. They are doing a show at the Osborne South Legion. Um, Tickets are available beforehand, 20 bucks at the door, 25 and on the card, it was just announced not too long ago. You may have seen the previews, all of the the previews, the promos. On the card, Robbie Royce versus Stefan Epic in a Winnipeg bull rope match. I'm very excited for this. Also on the card, there's going to be Sammy Peppers, Mentolo, AJ Sanchez. Coming up from uh, Minnesota, we are getting Riley Jackson. Damon Spriggle, Kyle Pro, um, a whole bunch more from Winnipeg also. I mean, uh, ATM is going to be there. Um, I don't want to miss any names. Oh, Bobby Shank and Kevin O'Doyle are going to be facing off. So right there alone, some incredible, incredible local talent is going to be on the show. So definitely go out of your way, check it out, grab tickets. It's going to be a fun time. Now, after that, June 10th, Winnipeg Pro Wrestling at the West End Cultural Center is putting on a show. Unfortunately for this one, tickets are sold out already. You never know if some might become available closer to the show. I don't know. I'm not privy to that. Your best bet would be to hit up WPW on Twitter and just see maybe, you know, they got an extra one lying around. I don't know. But on the card, you have AJ Sanchez versus Cody Lane. Riley Jackson versus Devon Monroe, two fantastic talents out of Minnesota. You have a triple threat match between Valentina Loca, Kat Von Hees, and Blair Onyx, and also announced Technical Difficulties versus Tyler James and Kevin O'Doyle. So four fantastic matches already announced. I'm sure there's going to be more, so stay tuned. You know, I'll be tweeting them out. Check out the WPW Twitter Stay tuned for more match announcements and more uh, more wrestlers being announced for the show. So that'll be a good time. Now, just announced was CWE coming back to Winnipeg June 24th and 26th. No, June 24th. June 26th, they're going to be up in Dauphin for, I think it's the first time in three years, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to punch up uh, 
online and see if uh, that's the case. So, sorry. June 24th, Friday, June 24th, Winnipeg at the Holy Eucharist. The next night, June 25th, they're going up to Dauphin for a show. That's going to be a good time. So if you're up in the Dauphin area, make sure you make your way there and check it out. That's in June, but on May 28th, in, uh, sorry, I'm looking at the picture right now. I took a screenshot and part of it's covered, but uh, in Regina, Saskatchewan, CWE is going to be out there with special guest Erwin Arshyster. So, I mean, that's a fantastic guest. But also on the card, you're going to have Danny Duggan, you're going to have Sean Martins, Kevy Chevy, Easy Riser, Easy Rider, Bryce Bentley. I'm, I'm, I'm rambling here with all the great talents that are going to be on these shows. So that's May 28th in Regina. Grab your tickets. Check it out. I think if I'm not mistaken, they are continuing heading out west shortly after. Don't hold me to it, but check out their Facebook page, Facebook events. Check out the CWE Canada site, their Twitter, for all of the information on all the upcoming shows that they're doing out there. I was at the show this past Friday. Um, That would be the 13th, Friday the 13th at Holy Eucharist. It was a great time. Great great atmosphere. It was a lot of fun. Great seeing all the people out supporting local wrestling. So big props to CWE for the show that they just put on. Check them out when they come to town. Check out all these shows, whether you're in Fargo or Winnipeg. Grab tickets. Go support local independent wrestling. Now this week on the show, I was very fortunate to be joined by my first ever two-time guest to be interviewed. Um, Joining me again was Tony Kazina. You may remember him from a lot of CWE shows. He wrestled a lot in the uh, Pacific Northwest. Now he's down in New Zealand working at the uh, Fale Dojo as a trainer there. So Fale Dojo in conjunction with New Japan. They're getting prepared for a lot of great stuff. So Tony stops by. We talk about the uh, the previous um, the show that they were doing on New Japan World for uh, with Fale's Dojo. We talk about that. We talk about all that's going on with the dojo right now. He shares some stories and just talks about the uh, wrestling scene and just offers his opinions and thoughts on that. So we have a really great conversation. Fair warning, the audio is a little off, but you can still make through. And I apologize for that. I did the best that I could to uh, try to get it listen ready. But uh, these, uh, these magic hands can only work so much. But don't sleep on that. Definitely check out the episode. It is definitely worth giving a listen. So without further ado on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, Tony Kazina. Now, I've been fortunate enough to have many guests on the uh, on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. Now, this will be my first ever two-time guest. The reaction I had the first time around when he was on was more than I had ever seen. It's been one of my most listened to episodes. So, I mean, back again is Tony Kazina. Tony, how's it going? Good, real good. How are you? I'm doing good. We're dealing with some rain and just trying to kick things into uh, springtime. So, where where are you at again? Uh, I'm in Winnipeg. Okay, I thought so. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I know you guys are uh, in fall right now, right? Yeah, but I mean, you know, fall looks like summer outside to me out here. <laughs> but we're getting, we're starting to get a little bit of rain, but you know, it doesn't get very cold even mm-hmm. in the middle of winter. Now. So, Last time we talked, it was right when uh, New Japan's Lion's Roar was kicking into gear up on New Japan World. What was yeah. the reaction from that for from fans, from people who watched it towards yourself and to everyone involved? You know, 
me personally, I, I don't know that I, I got a ton of feedback, but I saw feedback in general, feedback from, from the Japanese fans. You know, on Twitter, they write in Japanese, but you can get the translate button and tell mm-hmm. you. So there was feedback, all the Twitter accounts, New Japan Global, New Japan World, the president of New Japan for wrestling, MSGM. So I saw that. I, I, it was overwhelming on that end. And Bali said that um, big thumbs up on the feedback and viewership. Um, I think at least at some point it was there. It took over and was their number one watched uh, show on uh, New Japan World. So. Mm-hmm. Um, with like for the wrestlers involved how was their reaction with it after seeing themselves up there because that had to be a brand new experience for them you know they're in training and then they see you know kind of the cameras the spotlights and the ways they're portrayed afterwards um i think that everyone was was satisfied you know some of the guys went home or didn't return and yeah i just never hear back from them mm-hmm. uh so so i can't I can't comment, but I don't think that anybody was really, you know, uh, not pleased with with how it went. Mm-hmm. Has has there been any talk of doing more of that, more follow ups, more filming with the Fale Dojo down there? Yep, um, absolutely. Of course, I uh, immediately I was probably driving poor Fale nuts. We got to have season two. Got to have season two. We can go on. <laughs> You know, this can turn into a more fit a wrestling show. So I'm like the little sidekick jumping up and down. Oh, come on, come on, make it happen. Um, yeah, he's got, he's got long-term plans in mind. He's a businessman mm-hmm. from the word go. Um, nothing's confirmed. Um, so, but he's looking at it. But that's, that's all we know. Yeah. We're all looking at it. Company's got to give it the green light. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as I understood, they were very pleased with it, but that doesn't equate to, you know, we're going to do it again. They may be pleased with it, and then, hey, how about we run a show or thank mm-hmm. you? Goodbye. I don't know. So, well, um, New Japan is really, I mean, the pandemic, they, it did a number on them for what they were able to do. I mean, it really, they've really felt the effects of it. Um, they're starting to kick back into things. They were in the news not too long ago with the, um, the Forbidden Door with AEW doing that joint show. But I mean, you've been a part of New Japan for, I mean, through Fale's Dojo for quite a while now. Yeah, uh, gosh, almost four years now. Yeah. So, and that might be, uh, I mean, it's kind of all the same, but we didn't officially become New Japan until what was, it, uh, well, early 2020. Mm-hmm. So, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, you know, they made the announcement and literally they, they made the post. Because I got here in February. All they said is we're officially New and don't say anything until they announce it. Mm-hmm. And we're having a tryout here in, you know, at the dojo with all management and probably some of the top guys are coming to scout people. I thought, oh my God, this would be crazy. 
And they literally posted the, the announcement, and a day or two later, with the lockdowns, they pulled it all off. And said, <laughs> We're waiting for the announcement. Yeah. Leading up to us chatting again, you know, I was doing my research, going back, looking, you know, at Tony Casino, what, you know, matches he was a part of, some of his history. And I mean, for years, you've had a connection with New Japan through, you know, wrestlers you faced off against. Because I know for numerous CWE shows in Canada, you were either partnering with, partnering with Chase Owens or facing off with him. I mean, you faced off with Rocky Romero. Both are integral parts of New Japan. Yeah. Um... I mean, goodness, I've known Chase since I think he probably started. You know, mm-hmm. Davey Richards and I went as we would. We would find shows here, there, and everywhere. And uh, we had a show in West Virginia. And they promoted, hey, we got, want you guys a team. We got two young guys that were real promising. And okay, there's young Chase. I think that match might be up on YouTube, actually. And, uh, yeah, you know, we just kind of stayed in touch just a little bit uh, through the years, and then we meet again in the ring here and there mm-hmm. over in Tennessee area, and then lo and behold, he uh, comes up to Canada. <laughs> what are you doing up here? So, yeah. <laughs> When you get something like that, where you've wrestled in, you know, like Tennessee of all places, and then to meet up again in Canada to do a tour through there, that must just be a trip. Yeah, you know, you just you never know when you're going to see somebody. Uh, and, it, and it's so funny. Uh, I, I, did a, I did a show in... Uh, 2007, I, I was moving from Charlotte to Seattle and picked up a IWA Mid-South show. Is that what it was? I think it was. Just in the, uh, outside of um, Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And uh, not, it, it really in the middle of nowhere. I had no idea who was going to be on there. And I just hear this, Tony Kazina, holy shit, how are you? And I look and talky talk, man. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, he, he worked with us in Canada in probably, I don't know, year 2000 at ECCW in British Columbia mm-hmm. and then I saw him a few years later up in Whitehorse, Yukon and we had a good catch up and a talk and then out of nowhere so and that's the last time I've seen him but that's it you just you never know where you're going to run into somebody mm-hmm. going up and doing a show up in like Whitehorse where it's it's not like, you know, there's tons of entertainment up there, it's not like there's sports teams they can't just go watch, you know an NHL game at the arena, you know? So, like, you're wrestling up there. That's got to be, you know, quite the experience. Brother, we were like, we were like, I don't know, Dallas Cowboy and Kiss or something coming to town. <laughs> the, the guy that funded this event, apparently, as the word has it, was, was either he was or he was hooked into the drug dealing there. And mm-hmm. he was putting he was putting this on either to smooth something over or to distract everything. But this was a full blown weekend where we were the main attraction. Mm-hmm. We got up there a day or two before the show, and uh, I mean, I was 
And we check into this hotel. It's like a hotel, a nightclub, and a restaurant all in one, which I just love. We have the entire second floor to ourselves. And uh, so we get in there, we get settled, five o'clock meeting. Okay, so 5 p.m. there's a meeting in the uh, conference room. He lays out the whole thing. Tonight, there's, we're going to have a, a, a party for you at the pub here. And um, so dinner will be served in an hour and a half. Then we're going to go to the pub. And then tomorrow, there's going to be a, a barbecue at a different event where you can sign autographs and we're selling tickets. I mean, it's a whole thing. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I go, so I, we have the meeting. And I go wander around before dinner or after dinner or something. And I go into the bar and I just order a beer. And uh, I see him. I see him sitting there. So I walk up to him. Hey, Mike. Hey, I just want to thank you for everything. I uh, really appreciate it. You know, this is like first class you guys. And he just looks at me and he goes, you buy that beer? And I go, oh, yeah, I did. He just uh, slams the table. No. Sarah, over here. The little girl comes out of the bar. I was scared shitless. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Make sure he has the beer if he wants. Like, okay. And she comes <laughs> off. Like, he didn't, he didn't say, oh, welcome to have you. Glad to have you. Anything like that. So when they said he was a drug guy, I go, yeah, I can kind of buy that because there's no <laughs> dialogue between us as individuals. I, I thank him. He just looked at me up and down. You buy that beer? No. So, <laughs> yeah. If you, he wrestled long enough. He did the damnest things and the damnest stories. <laughs> I mean, did you come across a lot of that through your travels? Where it's, you know, sort of the, I don't want to say shadier, but maybe someone who wasn't involved in the most legal of activities? Oh, probably. But you know what, though, man? It's like anything. You think that people that wear a shirt and tie are on the up and up. There's probably more drugs and stuff in a legal office mm -hmm. doctor's office you know what i'm saying yeah um but i don't think it was anything crazy mm -hmm. you know what i mean it was nothing blatant i don't you know yeah we had an after party on one of the last uh canadian tours i was on we had an after party in calgary at the hell's angels clubhouse I mean, it's it's got to be one of those things where you're never imagining that you're going to be partying at the Hells Angels Clubhouse following a wrestling show. In fact, I think, I'm pretty sure that they paid double um, the what we tried to get the sponsorship for. And the, the, the funny thing was, like, I don't know, I didn't pay attention. They were selling these shirts and giving away stickers or whatever at the event. And I guess it pissed a lot of people off because I guess the people in Calgary knew what this gimmick was that they were selling. And I said, hey, we're going to get that, you know, big time sponsor again. They're like, yeah, no, it, I don't think it's going over well with it. I was like, oh, well, that must be a big bad thing. They just seem nice and normal. Yeah, what the hell do I know? I'm sitting and out of the city and just saying hello to everybody. <laughs> well, but, you did quite a few of those Canadian tours with CWE. Yeah, and I'll, God damn it, I'm going to do more. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah. I was looking and I mean, you know, like I said, you know, I like to go through and just to see who you shared the ring with, you know, and I think it was like 2017. I know many times in Japan, they'll send wrestlers over for excursions, whether it's Canada, US, England. And at the time from Noah, uh, I might butcher the name, but it's uh, Kato Kaiomiya, who's wrestling for Noah right now, who's oh, yeah. one of the top wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. And you had a string of matches with him. I mean, to think that you're sharing the ring with him, you're helping influence the way he is progressing in his career. You know what? And, and I uh, forgot about that because he was just there for one tour and then off he goes. And Polly's like messaging me and sent a picture. And kid says he knows you. And I'm looking. I'm like, oh my God. So yeah, he ran over to the Noah, the GHC heavyweight champion. I'm like, oh, I'm like, yeah. So it, it's just funny how it's just funny how the whole thing goes. Mm-hmm. Whether you're coming up with somebody and, and they strike it big, however many years later, or you were there when saw someone started training and then they went on to start, you know. Did you see a lot of like in your time wrestlers who you thought that, you know, there definitely was something there, but for whatever reason, it just failed out. Like there was Bro, the superstar so potential. Yeah. <laughs> not, uh, not you, not necessarily you, but seeing, you know, other people where you see the world of potential in them, you're sharing the ring with oh. them. But they don't make it. Yeah, and and I mean to this day, mm-hmm. the, the the people that are that are wrestling today have so much potential, and they're not getting anywhere near what they should. They're they're the success, and they might stop at that because what the fuck I'm getting paid or whatever. It's like I see so many people that. That should be way bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, star have, have much bigger star power. Than you know, mm-hmm. uh, and probably more to your point. Yeah, just starting out, guys. Um, to jump right out to me with Chance Beckett and Scotty Mack, mm-hmm. uh, both in British Columbia, and. You know, with chance, I think that he, uh, I, I don't know for sure. I think he just had some demons and, and some uh, substance mm-hmm. things that he was contending with. And uh, with Scotty, I tried to get Scotty out with me uh, in whatever it was, 2004. I wanted him to hop in the car with me and Davey Rich because I knew he would go on to bigger things. But he just said, thank you, thank you. He, he just wanted to stay in Vancouver. He had a life there. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, and he, he, he wasn't interested in, and I, and you got to respect that. Yeah. But, oh, come on, you, you go make some money. It wasn't about that. Because to really make it in wrestling, it's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people understand that. They say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and then they go and go on date night and go buy a new car and they have to go to work so they can make the car payment and I'm going to do a house. It's like, no, no, no. Stop it with the car. Sell the shit. Kiss your girlfriend goodbye. It's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's a lifestyle. You know, when you go to Harvard Law School, you, you, you to a large degree, put the regular outside life on hold so you can focus for however long it takes to get your law degree. You mm-hmm. live, sleep, eat, and breathe, study law so you can you can graduate with the highest honors. And then once you make it, you've got your degree, you've got your position that you want. Now you've got some slack now, hey, I found this nice partner I can settle down with. Hey, I've got a means to just go ahead and get that nice car with it. Um, it's the same thing here. And I think people don't understand that. Um, I didn't understand that. I kind of did, but I also, I knew it. I admitted to myself earlier on that, well, if this is going to happen for me, then it's going to happen for my terms. And that's, you know, that's, that's the way that is for me and probably is for many others. Um, so... It, it's definitely one of those things where if you do want it to be your career or your life, then you have to fully invest in it. it. Like you said, it isn't for everyone where, you know, guys might be happy just doing it on the weekends as their part-time yeah. thing or whatever. Others, if you yeah. really want to go in, you, you got to put in the reps, put it, go on those tours and really submerge yourself in it all. Yeah. I mean, that's it. This is like any other job or career mm-hmm. job. You want, you know, except you're not, when you, especially when you come here, I always tell the guys, because it's overwhelming for a lot of people, it's like, well, you're going for basically, I always have an analogy for everything. You're basically going from high school to Harvard Law School. Mm-hmm. This is complete full immersion. If you want to make it, you're not going to an entry-level position. You're, you're, you're planning to be at the highest level. Mm-hmm. We're prepping you to be CEO of the ring, not entry level into the ring. So, uh, and I think that that's what catches people offhand or they think they're going to come here for three months and go home and then just hang out until they get phone calls. Like, that's not how it works. I mean, mm-hmm. it can happen, mm-hmm. but if you want, if you want, don't tell me you want, you got to show me you want it. You make a plan to get here and stay here until you get it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you. You say the showing, and I think that's a big part of it, especially when you're going through that training. Um, I was fortunate enough a few weeks back to have uh, a wrestler from Calgary on uh, named Mojabari, and he was telling me how he was training out with Storm Wrestling Academy, and before, like you know, he had talked to people just to kind of get an idea of what it was about, and. You know, he would be showing up to training early. So he was one of the first people there always, you know, making sure that you're always there doing that little bit of extra to be seen, you know, showing that you want it. Yeah. Got to. You got to because opportunity falls in your lap. Opportunity will happen in wrestling. Even if you're just not even quite prepared, but Mm -hmm. if you have, you're showing that extra incentive. I mean, 
more likely to have it. Let's see if this guy can swing it. Mm-hmm. Rather than someone just kind of going through it's like, yeah, no. Well, with, you know, the, the wrestlers that show up to uh, to train with you, the, or the potential, we'll say, um, is it mainly just ones from New Zealand, or do you have a lot from all around the world showing up? We have, but of course, with the pandemic, slammed the border shut. So, um, just last year, uh, our June intake, we started being able to have Australians come. Mm-hmm. So, um, so for the past year, it's been Australia and New Zealand. Now, June will be the first intake where the borders will be open because now borders in New Zealand are open worldwide in May. So, if anybody out there was wanting to come out, you reserve your spot. Because, uh, uh, yeah, so we should start seeing more guys. And in fact, I know. Um, our general manager has said almost all the people that we have coming for the June intake are from the states. Really, that's uh, that's pretty uh, pretty damn cool, actually. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, is that we had, I mean, goodness sakes, when I got here in February 2020, we had half, we had like 14 guys. Mm-hmm. It was our biggest intake yet. And I had been, mind you, I had been back in Portland for two months over the holiday break. So uh, I, I, I wasn't necessarily in contact with, with uh, Fale and Mark, for, but just that quick, hey, what's going on? Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Um, so they're filling me in when I get in. All these guys, they're like, and September's already sold out. Like, we can't, we won't be able to barely house anybody. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh my God, September, well, what about June? They're like, June's filling up quick. And I'm like, dude, we're going to be packed. And they're like, yeah, and that's where we're going to announce we're in Japan. And then everything, I've got all this shit. Like, no one's going to go off this place. And then, of course, lockdown. Mm-hmm. Long story short, we have a lot of guys that put their deposit down. And are just waiting to get in. So that's probably why we have, they've stayed in touch. Hey, you know, what happens? And, and uh, we've stayed in touch, close contact with them, borders open to June, so they're figuring out their crowd. It, it's got to be a, a, bright, uh, a bright sign to see that they still, two years later, are still wanting to be a part of it because it'd be so easy with, you know, whether it's, losing a job or whatever, being like, ah, you know, I'm going to pass on it, but there's still Well, you, you know what? If you're going to pass on it, I don't want you here because you won't last. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a good point. You want it. Like, I always want it. When I was 17 years old, I marched up to Barry Owen, Don Owen's son. Said, you know, I was about ready to graduate high school. Sir, I'd like to be a professional wrestler. You know, what do I need to do? And, and he very kindly and respectfully blew me off telling me I need to do you're going to college right now, son? Are you wrestling right now? Yes, sir. We graduate in June. I'd love to start wrestling as soon as I can. Well, what, I need, what I'm going to need you to do is go to college. You got to go to college. Oh, yeah. I want to, but I'm going to need you to wrestle through college. And at that point, once you graduate, we can take a look at you and get your license through the NWA and start yet. But I thought, mm-hmm. oh, thank you. Because it sounded legit to me. Mm-hmm. 
it's a nice way to to incentivize a young man to continue his education mm-hmm. and a good way to stay and uh, to say for you we can't do nothing with you. Well but, had... but the, the, oh, the fire never went away. Sorry. No, go ahead. The fire never went away. I thought, well, I'm not going to be able to. The guys are so big. The guys are so big. And uh, every now and again through the years, I didn't get started until I was, I didn't start training until I was 25. Mm-hmm. And I, but I went down in 94 and talked to Jesse Barr. And I, I called the Hart Brothers camp in, what, I don't know what year it was, 1991 or whatever. I wanted it, but it was like, I'd never been away from home. I had zero find out if I can do this. Oh, in Great Ontario, and then started wrestling in North America, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go down in flames. I don't know. They'll beat the hell out of me, but I'm going to find out. I have to know that I'm not cut out for this, or I'm not going to work another day in my life at mm-hmm. some job and just say, well, you know, it's been cool. So kind of to your point, that fire, if you want it, the fire will never die. Mm-hmm. And if you've got that fire in your belly, you go as far as you want. You just need that guidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you had mentioned uh, Portland and the Pacific Northwest. And I know that, uh, like, currently, someone you may be familiar with, uh, Nick Wayne, has been lighting it up in Portland. His father, Buddy Wayne, I know you shared the ring with a time or two. Yeah. He, he was funny, was uh, instrumental with, with kind of giving me the entering experience, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was told that from straight away when I started training with Billy Jack. Was, Man, you're going to be some competition with Buddy Wayne. And I didn't know who Buddy was because I didn't follow shit. I didn't even know there was independent wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hardly knew. But it, I knew Sandy Barr ran a show, but I, I didn't make it a point to watch it uh, sometimes i catch it at, at night and i just thought and it would piss me off and some of the guys are like kick his fucking ass <laughs> but i was like this is bullshit and so it's like that you know it, it, like that fire in my belly and i go talk to jesse Barr. but you know it's so funny when i met jesse uh he, he just gave me that you know i want to be professional goodness you know give him a nice handshake and he gives me the the easy wrestling handshake and I thought this guy doesn't give a shit if I'm here or not I didn't understand he probably used to give it a nice light handshake what kind of shit is that he probably thinks I'm a punk ass I'm also pissed <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get it you know what I mean so uh-huh. I was easily discouraged I guess well he's not taking me seriously I'm not going to waste my time but that I, that might have been more of an excuse for my lack of Mm -hmm. well i mean i was looking and i mean you did have a few matches with buddy for on for wwf for at one time correct was it on sunday night Uh, gosh my first uh, match with wwe was against buddy yeah and uh you know as excited as i was they're like okay we're using tonight i'm 
Well, uh, and, and we teamed in Vancouver. Yeah, that's okay. the one. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, when you have that sort of relationship where you're like, you, you see who you're facing off against, and you just know it's like, oh yeah, I'll be good tonight. Because I mean, doing some of the CWE shows, you're sharing the ring with you know the same guy almost every night of the, you know, night of the tour. There was, <laughs> I think it was one uh, Alex Anthony. I think you were wrestling him every night or every oh. other night. Uh, you know, I use him as an example on my uh, the way that I approach wrestling. Me and Alex had great chemistry. Great. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, I hope I get to wrestle him again. And uh, man, yeah, effortless. You just go in there and go, and that's what and that's what, that's what you need to get. Mm-hmm. That's real. Wrestling, just go in there and go. Um, so yeah, but yeah, man, he, he was a treat. Mm-hmm. So, I guess in in that situation, it's like you almost know where you know you're the person you're facing off with. You just have that chemistry where it's like you know the next thing that's going, and it just flows so smoothly. Well, pro wrestling is a game of reaction, mm-hmm. and we. Everyone has lost that or was never taught it to begin with. Uh, You know, uh, what everybody's doing now, pretty much on every level, is the shit that we were doing in my grandma's basement and my cousin when we were 14. I'll plan it out and you do this and blah, 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 and then we can do the body slam. We did all the moves Mm -hmm. jump off the sofa and the elbow drop, we put the mattress down. But nobody ad lives mm-hmm. to any, a very few, I would say nobody, but it, that's why people call it performance now. Mm-hmm. It's a performance. Holy shit, you're not even looking at it. Like it's a, and that's why nobody watches. Mm-hmm. Well, throughout your career, I mean, you've shown that it doesn't matter the style you can adapt to anything because I mean, you faced off with Ricky Morton and you've been able to face off with like ACH or El Generico who all three will have different styles, but you're able to stay with them, be able to put on a hell of a match with any of them. Cause you, It's in the way that you're taught. You have to develop an instinct to be able to react on yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, I didn't quite understand what Matt Ford was telling me until I wrestled with Ray Mysterio Sr. and the Luchadors that he brought from Mexico. Mm-hmm. And then I was in there and I was given bullet points, but the rest is admin. And so Oh, I got a really good body. Oh, and I'll make sure that I'm reacting and showing them reaction. And it's how you communicate with the body. Mm-hmm. I didn't, obviously, I don't speak Spanish. And these guys didn't speak English. I'm in a six man bag and this and that. And I thought that once I got done, oh, there it is. 
good and they were very good. And I thought, shit, this is what Matt was saying. You got to be able to read the body and react on it. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, and that's all that that is. Mm-hmm. It's, ad- I- it's adequate. When you're training, how how is that something that you instill with the students, the ad lib aspect and of it? Go in there and wrestle, and just uh, react to what they're doing, basically. Yeah, yeah. And life is a reaction. That's why I say professional wrestling is real. Professional wrestling, if you're reacting, if I'm getting a legitimate reaction from you, then what's fake about it? Mm-hmm. Other than I may not be lacing you with a closed fist in the mouth, mm-hmm. but a closed fist is illegal anyway, isn't it? It's supposed to be. Okay, well, then we've got that coming. Mm-hmm. But if I say to you, good morning, what do you like me to say? Good morning. Well, good morning. I'd say, hey, what are you looking at? You know, I'm getting, bottom line is no matter what, I'm going to get a reaction from you. I'm walking by, I nod my head, you're likely to nod your head. You can mm-hmm. give me a reaction. Same thing in the ring. Yeah, I mean, if, I, I, if, I, if, I, if we're in the ring and you don't know what I'm going to do, like, boom, and I, and I do that, you're likely to flinch a little bit thinking I'm going to shoot it on your leg. Mm-hmm. What the hell's fake about that? Yeah, I mean, if, if you Irish whip someone into the ropes, drop down to the mat and make them jump over you, I mean, it's, it's the reaction. It's a, a very basic one, but it's a step. You know, they're not going to just trip over you. It's, you know, <laughs> jump over, keep going be prepared for what's coming next right after that you know always have almost like having your head on a swivel sort of thing well the, another thing is, is that when you're just doing everything at lip and the way i have guys think is why not triple the guy because you're going to force him to react in a different way mm-hmm. so you know the only thing holding you back is your own creativity mm-hmm and that has nothing to do with getting a pad and paper and writing down, you do this and I do this and blah, blah, blah. Because, you, you know, nine times out of ten, these guys have a look on their face. They're, they're not selling anything. Mm-hmm. They're not selling anything but the visual. The visual is, car crash, yeah? Is, like, so, the, the creative aspect, you know, when you or instilling that with the students. I mean, cause when they come in, they're almost like a blank slate. So you can really see if they're really adapting to that by how they react in the ring. And if they're building off of that creativity, correct? You know what? Yeah. But they're not always a blank slate because they've had a lot of this independent wrestling experience. They can't get that out of their head. Mm-hmm. They keep going into as seen on TV. And, they, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't, some of the guy we had one cat in here, and he was, he was lost in space, man. Ooh, ooh. Barking like a crow. Okay, then just wrestle. And I say, go. And he starts walking around with his chest puffed out like he's a. I look at the other guy and go, man, if someone was doing that to me, I'd kick the shit out of him. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he's going to point at you like you're nothing and treat you like a, a bitch. And you're not, you're just going to sit there and take it. Mm-hmm. And people are gonna start laughing at you after a while, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I break down little things like that. But uh, you know, it, yeah, it just depends on their mindset. If they're really a blank slate or not, they uh, so 
Do you find that it's easier to train someone when they don't have any of the, any wrestling background or what's easier do you find? Well, it's the mindset because we've got guys in here that have no prior wrestling experience. Well, they've seen enough of it on TV and they keep going into, oh, they think it's an act. Where mm. I gotta, you know, and they're going to do something with Don't throw a shitty punch. Don't wait for the fake punch. And they just look at you straight. You, if, if, throw something that's going to connect, but not knock his teeth out. Mm-hmm. You know, smash him over the back with a, with a forearm. Like, why, why would you, why would you throw a, a, a blatantly funny punch that misses them? You think that, uh, you know, so it, it's a, it's a mindset because I'm almost going to contradict myself. We've got a guy in right now, actually, that's done some independent wrestling, but his mind is so in and he already studies along the lines, the older stuff where it was more logical, more psychology. So I just said, yeah. Take a look at some of this, mm-hmm. and he, he understands that it, it, you know, sinks right in. We've had some guys that come in with independent experience, and it's taken them the better part of the intake to understand what it is, and they still don't. They're like strong crowds. It's a fight, I guess. What do you mean you guess? If you're not, if you're not looking at it, you know, they're. they're it's all in the mind and they may just you know some folks just may want to do the stuff where they just do a bunch of moves because shit man come on it's fun mm-hmm. and the people are going to pop for you and all right but I'm not, I'm not worried about that because that's what everybody's doing what everybody's not doing is capturing the audience there's a few mm-hmm. you know Okada MJF um Mm-hmm. You can count Randy or you can count them on two hands anymore. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is just doing moves and dancing around, and you know, can I paint another stripe on my face? Can I, you know, shave my ass, walk on my hands? What can I do so someone just notices me? Well, you had mentioned, I mean, four, you know, names that are integral to wrestling. And it's funny because, I mean, MJF, he's someone who I I went down to a pay-per-view last year when the border was open. I was able to make it down. And his match was one of my favorite on the entire show. The match he wrestled, it showed his wrestling ability and not just, you know, what he's known for, his promo and all that, but it showed that he can fucking go in the ring. Yeah. But it's it's not about just going in the ring. It's about making people care about you. Mm, that's how I should have refrained it because the storytelling that he had in there, where it's not just you know like move move move, building to it and the reaction, it was next level. So so yeah. So going back to the training, I say go in there and just wrestle. Now yeah. as you're improvising. Understand that you need to start building things. Mm-hmm. You're looking for a payoff, and maybe you want to tease a payoff, but you don't get it. And maybe you want to go one direction, but the fans are giving you something different. Or maybe they're not buying what you're selling, so you need to change what you're 
what you're selling them so they can buy it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have to change what you're selling as in you're going to change the way that you're wrestling it. You know, so they're not, they're not buying the fancy flips and whatever that you're doing. You need to understand that and change course. Maybe you need a guy in the gut, throw him outside, slam his head into the, maybe they wake up for that and maybe you just start exchanging holds and, and wrestling toward, you know, submitting the guy with the simplest thing to see if the people want to see that. Mm-hmm. you got to try that. And, and sometimes the crowd just doesn't give a shit. They're not there to see you, in which case, just do what you do, wrap it up, don't understand you're welcome, because they're here to see someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're wrestling a match and the crowd isn't buying into it, you really want to try to grab their attention. I mean, like you had said, there's times where nothing will work and, you know, they're just not there to see you, you know, so you wrap it up. But if you can capture their attention and get them invested in what you're doing, I mean, you've got them eating out of the palm of your hands. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm You know, it's a, the whole whole, whole thing is there's no boogers anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's kind of just lost. Yeah. It's just a great brawl in grandpa's basement. I wanted to talk a little bit about ROH because, I mean, you wrestled quite a few times there. I mean, you had some classics with Davey Richards. I think you wrestled Kyle O'Reilly there as well. We've talked about both of them before. I mean, you were there almost in the beginning, not the very beginning, but through the, some of the early to mid years when they were starting off. Not the beginning. I mean, man, I, I always felt like I was there for a cup of tea. I was just kind of here and there, and I don't mm-hmm. think they gave a shit if I was there or not, which, okay. Uh, yeah, I was Kyle's first match there. I just, uh, man, it was, it was that, that time from like 2010 to, I was there till the end of 2011. Man, it was, it was really headed in a, in a, direction that was uh, wrestling oriented almost if uh, the Crockett's NWA was to have evolved mm-hmm. that's what it would have been because you had Davey and Roddy and Tyler Black and the Seth Rollins you had uh, yeah, Generico was there Mm-hmm. Kevin Steen was uh, there and just getting his feet in the door, but then that, that he kind of ushered in the change to brawling and you know wiping the blood on your hand and licking it and chakra. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know I don't know, but man the the matches were so like geez Louise I saw Nigel McGuinness and Jerry Lynn just have a classic and just the Simplest of matches, but mm-hmm. I thought it was so good and national for the Ring of Honor. It was so good. I know um, for myself, like it was the early, you know, 2000s when Ring of Honor was starting off. I mean, it was only available on VHS or if you were going live to see it. 
So being yeah. up here in Winnipeg, I remember buying a couple VHS tapes when there was a local store that would bring in the stuff, you know? So I had a couple of tapes. I was familiar with it, but now is when I can go back and see some of these matches, you know, seeing Brian Danielson and Kenta go at it in 2005 or 2006, and they're putting on a fantastic match, seeing Nigel McGuinness and the plethora of others, you know, like the incredibly talented wrestlers being given a chance to wrestle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, it was, a, it was a special time for that company. Now, and, and again, I wasn't there in 2005, 2006, yeah. so I don't, and I'm sure it's special to anybody who's there. Man, you know, they, they had that, that band base was rabid, but it's not a band base that can be sustained if you're trying to do a national company. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, Davey Richards said it to me best, and he was just like cutting dry with me. Um, and I just stopped me in my tracks because it was like, that uh, was after like a final battle or one of these things, or War of the Worlds, you know, when they had the New Japan guys and all that. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh man, how'd it go? He came back from New York right after. And I was like, well, that's pretty sweet, though, you know, and we were talking. He goes, well, best wrestlers in the world, and you can only draw about 1,700 people. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And he goes, if you had the best of any sport, best basketball, football, hockey, whatever, you think you're going to draw 1,700 people? Not a chance. And I thought, oh, shit. And I, I, I kind of, I remember talking to Roland Alexander. He was the owner of APW in San yep. Francisco area. And gosh, this must have been 2002 or whatever. And we were discussing how to get more people in. And I said, Roland, what if there's just no demand for it anymore like there was? And he mm-hmm. said, that's a scary thought. Because, you know, San Francisco was a, a home base, as I understand it, for the roller derby, mm-hmm. which was wildly popular. And that's no more. Mm-hmm. And you had people that came through the years and tried to seek some money to revive it, and it just didn't go. And, uh, you know, I'm not dogging on the pro wrestling industry, but I want people to consider taking a look at it differently that if you didn't have WWE and you didn't have a billionaire's son writing the checks with an endless cash supply mm-hmm. you know what you, you know what do you have mm-hmm. what do you have in North America? you know I mean besides those two you, you Ring have, of Honor, Ring yeah. of Honor went under, and would have went under earlier had they not sold to Sinclair. And mm-hmm. that's Ring of Honor after all those fucking stellar matches with great, solid, professional wrestlers that were giving it everything they had. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, they, 
the, the territories. Of course, they had TV. It was a different. It's all a different time. Every day is a different day. But they went from running a down every week or twice a month, just depending on the market, right? Mm-hmm. When I was doing independence, we'd run the same venue every month. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know that these independents run the same venue every I think I know like locally there there's a couple that do, but for the grand scheme of things, I mean, it seems like it's, you know, they'll run one place and then, you know, venture to the next area, but it's never the same area going consistently. That tells me that it's drying up mm-hmm. over in the, in the bigger scheme. The people that are, the people that are in the, the bubble, the subculture, Every time they go to a show, there's 300, 400 rowdy people. It's a great atmosphere. You think, what the fuck? What's this guy talking about? This is killer. But you couldn't do that next month. Or mm-hmm. or could you? Mm-hmm. They're not. I mean, I mean, we all know what happened with Ring of Honor and what is potentially happening you still have, you know, Jonathan Gresham, who you're familiar with, oh. a big part of that. You have, you know, Samoa Joe as their television champion at the moment. What what would you like to see happen for Ring of Honor? Well, I'll tell you, my good mistake. That should have been continued on as an absolutely separate entity, even though Tony Khan owns but you know, there's a reason that you don't intermix everything. The forbidden door. There was a goddamn reason the door was there. Mm-hmm. That's why you don't see Aerosmith and Kiss on stage together trading <laughs> musicians and hey, and, 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 and playing ACDC songs. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's the forbidden door. There's there's a reason. This entire industry was built on perception. Mm-hmm. We take the perception away. Well, I know one thing that I hope for if they do decide to bring it back as a brand is having it as its own separate promotion you know where you don't have the crossover you know like oh jonathan gresham's your champion he's only defending on ring of honor shows he's not you're not going to see him on the bill if you if you do want to have that crossover you build it to something worth it not just having it willy-nilly anytime once a year and guess what that would be that would be a gigantic that would be a gigantic match that needs a bigger venue hopefully. Mm-hmm. It's again to the people that are all involved and the fans that are going there excited because you know they're getting what they want out of it. But if, if you're, I mean, if you're going to be just a regional thing, you know, Ring of Honor only stayed in from Philadelphia to Washington D.C., maybe Pittsburgh and Boston, that area. They could maybe sustain themselves drawing 700 people three or four nights a week. But when you try to get out in St. Louis and Phoenix, and you got to have a lot of money 
Undertaker. You're trying to be WWE. You know, that, that, that same old thing, if you ever listen to, like, uh, if you listen to the old, uh, like, player or whatever, they said Jim Crockett would have stayed eastern of Mississippi. He stayed, he'd still be in business, but he's like, oh, I got to be bigger. Yeah, I get, yeah, perception, but you're not, if you can't financially afford that perception of being here, there, everywhere, it's just, mm-hmm. you're just a regional thing. If you're and biting you off a little bit more than you can chew. Yeah, you can have wild success, ongoing success as a regional business. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be all over the place, but uh, I don't know, just the whole thing has changed mm-hmm. so much. I. Uh, I, I do appreciate you mentioning roller derby because I mean, I remember like early nineties catching some of it on TV and I'll, I know I always kind of, my ears perk up when I'll listen to, you know, a podcast or whatever. And they'll talk about in the sixties and that, because I have that memory of the nineties. So I can only imagine what it was like way back when, and now, yeah. like you said, you don't see any of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for purposely to sustain itself, where now everybody's, even the independents, they're running in different cities all over the place. Okay? They're going to need more than the, the, the small group of people that they have. Because mm-hmm. at some point, the people that this is what I, it ain't the gospel, I could be way off track. Right? Mm-hmm. But at some point, the people are going to be satisfied with what they've seen and they're going to go on to something different. You know? And not even because they hate it. I love BMX. God damn, I was BMX riding son of a gun from 13 to 17. And then one day I put my bike in the garage and I think it came out one or two times over the summer. And then I just looked at it while I was walking out and just never rode again. Mm-hmm. I didn't hate it. I still love it to this day. I just had my fill of it. You know, my mm-hmm. sister and her friends, they got into this thing where they were going down to the Portland Winterhawks hockey. All the girls and they're clamoring. Oh, I like number sixteen. I like, and you know, you're they're, they're fawning over the guys, or whatever. And at some point, I didn't pay attention. I thought, oh, you guys go to the hockey game. She's like, shit, we haven't done that in years. I go, oh, I just, and I thought, you know, I never forgot that because they were so into it. Right? Yeah. Think about what you have been into, and you got your fill of it, or life changes for you. I- I had that exact same, you know, thought today. I was driving uh, past a movie theater, had a big poster for Doctor Strange, a Marvel movie. And I, I was like, oh, okay. And I used to love those movies. And it's not that I hate them now, but it's just, yeah, I don't yeah. have any interest, you know? Yeah. So. so I'm not dogging what has become so much as that I'm thinking, is anybody looking for long term? Once these people have had their fill, and it's been said that the wrestling fans kind of recycle themselves every four years or so. Uh, you know, with ticket prices as they are, you haven't made it affordable for a father and his two sons to come to an independent show unless you want to drop a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. How the hell are you going to get these young kids hooked on your product to keep new people coming in, let alone grow it. Mm-hmm. Then you go then you go in there with your 
choose to understand, receive whatever it is you see. You know, I, I, I don't pay. The only thing I see is the bullshit that the people, the completely outrageous stuff that people put on Twitter or, or whatever, because I just don't bother with it all anymore. Mm-hmm. So, as you know, I guess you could say in this day and age, I'm someone that you should want to win over. I could take it or leave it. But when I see the thing in passing that's got enough hits to come onto my feet, because I don't really follow much, uh, it's it's something someone's got a dildo in the brain or someone's putting their ass in someone's face again and, you know, giving it a good shake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck are we doing? Yeah. Just go ahead and, I guess we're telling you, just go ahead and make the porno video and start the only get the fuck out of here mm-hmm. with the silliness. No, and, I mean, you know, yeah. the professional wrestling, the people that have the fire for it, mm-hmm. not as a medium for for somebody to get attention so they can do something else. Yeah, and I mean that is the mindset that some people do get into or do have getting into wrestling, and they're going to use that to catapult themselves to something bigger and better. Where it's you know it's not a it doesn't benefit anyone. Well, because the people look at it like it's an act. Mm-hmm. They it's acting. It's a TV show, mm-hmm. and that's you can hardly blame the people getting involved because it's the people that are putting on the show that look like that. Mm-hmm. So, well, you had mentioned that you know there might not be the same demand for wrestling as there once was. Um, what would you do to change that? what I'm doing now. Yeah. And it's training guys and getting them, the guys that want to understand what this, what made this business so wildly popular for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was guys going out there and kicking ass and using psychology and, and emotion and tapping into real emotion to get the people wanting to pay to come and see them fight. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter the era. But times have changed. Look at Punk's matches. How has that changed from Bret Hart and Steve Austin to Harley Race? Mm-hmm. You know, some of Punk's matches the past, like since he's made his return, have been some of the best matches that I know I've watched. Seeing just the skill involved with it, the storytelling and it just encapsulates my attention. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, uh, the, the moves, oh man, there was a quote, where the hell, I think it was down somewhere. Yeah, I did. Look at this. The moves are just a translation for the psychology, just as words are for exchanging thought. Yeah. If all you're doing is some choreographed thing where guys are helping each other up, I mean, how fascinating, how much do you want to see the people at the Ringling Brothers and the gymnastics and all that shit? I mean, we watch them on the Olympics and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? 
But are, 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 are we filling up the arenas? Can't wait to see them do it again. Mm-hmm. See if she can get the court flat and backflip. It's good for once a year. The circuit's done now once a year. Mm-hmm. You go see it the one time and then you wait for it to come around next time and see what they bring out. It's just, I mean, and, and, and I don't know. It, to me, there's so many layers to it. Mm-hmm. Because when I say the circus comes to town, that means you, you, when these guys have their show and they, it's a four hour show, they do everything from the start of the bill to the end. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like Kiss. Mm-hmm. How many times does Kiss come to your town a year? Only once, and you know what? You might only get it once every three or four years. It, it, because it's all you need. Mm-hmm. They blew the stage. You know, I saw Kiss two nights in a row when they first uh, reunion, their reunion in makeup. We we're all freaking out. Well, gonna, the second night, I, I started falling asleep halfway through the show because it was a complete overstimulation. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the hell's the matter with me? And I was sitting every stand on their seats. I was sitting down. So, oh, but you know when you see it, the, the key to having like the Monday Night Wars, a lot of people remember the Monday Night Wars. Did they mm-hmm. make you satisfied every week? And did they send people home happy? Mm-hmm. Or were you left hanging? Sorry, fans, we gotta go off the air. Yeah, I mean, you always the amount of times where it's like, we're out of time, you know, and there's a huge brawl going on in the ring or whatever. I mean, that was, you know, you would get that almost every week or every other week, you know, so you're wanting to tune in next week just to see what, you know, what the end result was. Yeah. If, if I've given you everything you hope for, what's the incentive for you to tune back in? So, so much of it is just capturing the attention. And I mean, nowadays with so much, alternate stuff out there i mean how many times can you know is someone watching you know say wrestling on tv but then they're also on their phones or on their laptop or whatever you know not being fully engulfed in it and you know what even if wrestling was the way that it was and used heavy psychology and there was you know three punks and mjfs and okadas in every federation it may be because of the way that media tv video all of that is you know it, it, it would be how it is you understand mm-hmm. uh, there's no real way of telling but the only way that i can tell and my guess is well shit the wrestling doesn't mean anything anymore it's just another blank slate in there doing another flippity fluke and 70 percent of the time the guys can't even land the shit mm-hmm. I find for myself, you know, like I watch a lot of current stuff, always seeing what's out there. I like to, you know, just I hear about a good match. I want to make the effort to go and check it out. But then I also find that I'll go back and watch stuff that I've never seen before, like a lot of mid 90s, like all Japan, you know, like watching watching Kobashi and Stan Hansen go at it for the first time. And I'm just like wide eyed taking this all in. So many of the there's there's a lot of people out there that love the concept of pro wrestling, mm-hmm. and they watch the old stuff. I always ask the guys that come through, you know, what are you watching? You watch anything currently? And 
got. It's got to be 80% of them at least, you know. I don't watch anything currently, you know. What's your biggest thing? And of course, it's whatever you grew up on, that's what captures your, you know, whether it's 2006 John Cena, 1988 thing, or whatever. Yeah. Do you understand? So, and that's understandable, but uh, these guys that, that love wrestling, most of them that come here don't watch anything. Mm-hmm. And if you're out there listening to this podcast, you know, what do you watch on a regular basis today? You watch it on a regular basis. Brother, I watch everything I could every week nonstop. Mm-hmm. And then videotape for my VHS player the show and then edit it or I wait and videotape key matches. Okay, this week Ronnie Garvin versus Art Anderson. Well, I'm definitely going to tape that. I tape it and when they go to commercial break, I pause it. Come out of commercial, back at it. Oh, no, I did. And then I put this on a tape where I had all these matches. And then when there was no wrestling on TV, I'd throw my videotape in and just study the, uh, and he did this. He might have been able to win. Mm-hmm. Can can you pass me that tape so I can watch it? Because uh, I, I'd, be all, I'd be all about a Ronnie Garvin Arn Anderson match. Oh, brother. I, a lot of that stuff's on YouTube, but uh, God, shit. I threw all those things out long ago. <laughs> if you, you can end up down a YouTube rabbit hole with some fantastic matches. Like, and I know it's a little, you know, it's totally different than uh, Garvin and Anderson, but like even going back and watching when, uh, Bret Hart went to WCW and some of the matches he had there are almost forgotten about. And like having him wrestle, you know, some of the Mexican wrestlers at the time, some of the luchadors, you know, it's matches you've never seen. So like him against even like Dean Malenko, it's, you wouldn't think of it. And it's just like, that's out there yeah. for people to watch. Here's the shame of it all. Okay. And, uh, the great thing is I still have all this wrestling the bad thing is, nobody was watching at the time, so the company went out of business. When they, and, and that's an important thing. Great matches, you're right. I've seen some amazing things. I'm like, shit, I didn't know he did this. When is it, 2000? Yeah. After, after the Sting thing in 97, I was pretty much turned off. And mm-hmm. then when Bret Hart came in, and he was the for the directory, I thought, this thing sucks ass. And I just, I never watched WCW again. Mm-hmm. It was terrible, you know. They're going to do this. I don't even give a shit. And besides, you know, Austin and Undertaker and, and, and all that was was so good and compelling mm-hmm. and leaving you hanging every week. Oh, what the hell is going to happen next week? Uh, all, all of those, like you said, I, I'm sure there's gems in there, but, uh, and, and you know, they should be watched, shared, and appreciated. But at the time, since there was so much other bullshit going on in that company that turned so many people away, like myself. Mm-hmm. You know, that was actually the first WCW pay-per-view I ever rented, and it was the last one, so that says Oy. something. See what I mean? Yeah. And it's unfortunate. Unfortunate. But like, it's... it's you, you've got to have someone running the ship that understands what this is. Mm-hmm. I would supposed to be. I'd still watch it, but it wasn't getting my money. You know, like I'm not renting the pay-per-views. I'm not buying t-shirts, right. but I'll watch mm-hmm. it on TV because it's right there. It's accessible. So. Yeah. 
to add to what you're saying, I'm kind of just jumping all over. That's okay. What would I, what would I do to change things? Yeah. I'd start a wrestling promotion that ran professional wrestling. That, uh, and I tell the guys, as far as I'm concerned, I'm prepping to run a promotion. I'm for everything way back. Way back. You're taking a shoulder tackle and he's hitting you hard enough to knock you on your ass. Think about that. What would have to hit you hard enough to knock you down, let alone knock you down in a flat back bump? Mm-hmm. Like, dude, if, if you're walking and you, you're not paying attention at the grocery store and nudge somebody and knock you like this, you're like, shit, half yeah. the time, right? Imagine if some kid is running down the street being chased by someone who accidentally hits you and you bump. What do you think you're feeling? I mean, you're probably going flying and you're going to feel it. So I try to get that in the guy's mind. There's no point in taking a bump if you're not selling something. Mm-hmm. You should be looking at and convincing the people that what they're seeing is real. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't try to do that, you just jack off. Yeah, I mean, the... the... What, what, are we, what are we doing? What is professional wrestling? Trying to convince people what you're saying is real, mm-hmm. but we're working it. So you're bringing it, you're you're bringing it all the way, flooring the gas pedal up towards this, a fight, and then easing off of it. Mm-hmm. So I want legit technique. However, you're wrestling. Mm-hmm. I want if you're gonna strike, lay it in. Don't follow through and knock their head off. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. And get the most mileage in it, everything you can. And we'll see if the people will come along with it. You know what? We've been doing exhibitions here, and the people that lost their way going, oh, I thought wrestling was different. This, I've never seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's a perfect segue because I know, uh, is it May 14th that uh, you guys are doing something down there? Yes. We're having another exhibition. Our last exhibition for the February intake this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is that, I mean, that's only done locally. It's not broadcasted anywhere. Oh, yeah. We, listen, we just do it in our dojo. Yeah. I mean, if you could pack a hundred people in here and they'd be standing, so it's mm-hmm. not I'm not sitting here crowing about it. But I'm getting the reaction from the people. I hope they'll be talking. This is nothing like I see when I go to such and such event or when I saw on TV. These guys are fighting. Yes, that's all you need to know. Yes, they were really fighting. And, and you know what? For once in our life, we're not going to fucking tell you. If we were or weren't, mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you if my neck really was jammed or if I'm playing with it. I'm going to let you wonder mm-hmm. because that's all they need to do. They don't need to believe it's real. They just need to wonder. Just like, just like when Scott Hall and Kevin Nash jumped to WCW. Mm-hmm. All you, are they here? Did Vince send them here? We wondered and we all tuned in. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? 
the intrigue look how, behind look how easy that. Yeah. Look how easy that. The intrigue behind that, and even the intrigue where you know, like you have someone watching that exhibition and thinking, "Hold on, I thought it was. I I didn't think it was real." And they're leaving thinking, like, "Oh shit, maybe it is." So now they're leaving that thinking about it. They're talking to other people about it and be like, "You have to see this." Well, and hopefully, but mm-hmm. I just—it's my little experiment, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, And, uh, yeah, I mean, these guys all over are just getting destroyed mm-hmm. in the ring and in broken necks. I mean, and really, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Concussions, there's never been, there's never been more injuries on absolutely the stupidest shit that doesn't even need to happen that isn't going to get them anywhere why are they doing this mm-hmm. you might as well pull down your pants and hack off your wang with a suit that's as that's as much sense as any of the stuff mm-hmm. well this exhibition i mean because i know off before we started recording we had talked a little bit about it but you're going to be making the return to the ring correct my fat ass you been there oh yeah uh i am it, you know uh and I'm psyched for it because uh, with with talk that you know borders going to open up and the possibility of New Japan shows, mm-hmm. whether they happen here Australia, whether they happen at all, it's all the carrot dangling in front of me that I need. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, let's go. Let's do this. I don't want mm-hmm. to be one of these older fellows that that has a t-shirt on or has. A, big old sloppy body. Nope, nope, nope. I'm the next generation. And uh, and look at Dustin Rhodes, my God. Has he ever wrestled better in his life? Oh, he's doing fantastic right now. Some and of the matches. At, and Billy Gunn. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? Shit, Jushin Liger just retired a couple years ago at what, the age of 54 or whatever he was. And even up and, to uh, retirement, he was still putting on great matches. But he was jacked to the moon. I was like, of all yeah. people that covered him, he should have been he should have been about the, the moon on, for God's sake. Just just wearing the mask and no shirt, just showing off the so, uh, the physique. Yeah. So you know, everybody staying healthier and look better longer, and it's a great thing. It's just it's a testament to to I don't know the human species. We got better nutrition. Are taking care of themselves. How many guys are in their forties, mid forties, late forties that are that are currently wrestling and and on the upper mid card main event for God's sakes, right? Mm-hmm. You can go down the list of the fellas, right? So and they look great. Mm-hmm. I, like I know for myself, like uh, I'm forty and at the gym this past week i'm you know lining up gonna do some deadlifts and i'm like well let's see how much i'm doing here and, you know and i i you know i don't do them as regularly enough you know but i work out all the time and i was still putting up 325 and i'm thinking i'm like well for 40 years old that's not too bad so sure. yeah but, so i mean i'll uh, i got one more for you and then i'm gonna let you enjoy your sunday afternoon um since it is 
such fantastic weather there, not like here, but uh, I know when you were doing your CWE tours, you were also writing columns for Slam Wrestling, Cuisine's yes. series. How did that all come about? My old friend, Greg Oliver, just hit me up and said, hey, I'm, I can't remember if they were revamping it or they put it on a new website or whatever. Um, because I was kind of documenting the tours on my Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. When I was first doing the tours in British Columbia, and that was before phones and all that shit, you know, 99, 2000. You still had the disposable camera that you had to go and have film develop, yeah? And um, I just thought the tours were going to go on forever and then they stopped. Mm-hmm. And I, I had nothing to except the memories in my head. And then, of course, with the advent in MySpace and then on Facebook and all that, I thought we all, the boys and I would all tell the story back to each other on the messaging each other, but we had no way of looking at a still picture of us except for maybe a couple everybody at the Denny's or something, you yeah. know, and I thought, I remember those towns, I wish I could see the mountain range or whatever. Anyway, fast forward, when I finally started working CWS, I said, well, shit, uh, I don't know how many of these I'm going to have, I'm documenting everything, so that when I am an old man, I can look back, and that's what my social media is, it's for me, mm-hmm. when I get old, I can look back and then say, I remember Saskatchewan, oh my God, I remember this thing, so and maybe Greg saw that and said, hey, you want to write? I said, yes, I do. That'd be fun. It's just, you know, well, one thing that I think is very important, especially with independent wrestling, and I've, I don't think I can mention this enough, is the documentation of, you know, the wrestlers involved, the matches, the stories, because like there are wrestlers who, like we have social media now. So you have Twitter, you have Facebook, Instagram. So I like, I encourage everyone, if they're going to shows, going to independent shows, you know, even if there's 50, 60 people, they're taking pictures and showing them off, you know, like get more eyes on the product, eyes on the wrestlers, because it's only going to help wrestling as a whole to show this off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Perception, perception. Mm -hmm. Our event was exciting. It's must watch. Got to be there. Mm hmm. Uh, you don't have a lot of people, put them all on one side or, you know, opposite the hard camera, for goodness sakes, at least. There's yeah. all sorts of things. But uh, a lot of people just run shows for their own personal satisfaction. They're not, they're not looking at it from a business. Mm-hmm. And they've done that for years. A lot of yeah. people have run the wrestling shows. So I've learned that. And I just think, hey, you know, they're getting what they want out of it. I'll just go in there. Shit. Thank you, sir. Wrestle mm-hmm. my match. And, and uh, go on to the next thing. But uh, yeah, and we really don't do anything here because we're not worried about publicizing this either. I'll, I just want the guys to get some feedback, some reaction from the fans. Yeah. Are you able to manipulate their emotions? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, you know, when we're training, I say, give it room to breathe. If this guy is down, you need to really understand he's down, he's knocked the hell out of him. Spotlights on you in the ring. That's when creative would twirl. That's mm-hmm. what like blue. That's when, when they have their signature thing, they do that thing. When the guy's down on the ground, that's when John Cena stands over him and does this. Mm-hmm. You know, start learning where that is in your match. 
and instinctively insert it there. So mm-hmm. that we have to take stuff, obviously, when there's nobody except, you know, yeah. nobody watching us. But now we're going to have, whether it's 20 people or whatever, they're going to be inclined to react to you make them react. Slowing things down, slowing things down, showing off a little bit, you know, because you don't have to rush right through it, you know, take that time, you know, like you said, the spotlight's on you. So there you go. Yeah, you need to take the time. I don't care how fast your match is. It's like having a meal. If I, if I, if I cook up with the finest chefs, sit us down for this eight piece gourmet meal, right? And they say, let's. Start with this some pumpkin soup, and I say, Oh, and I say, That's good. And they have a fork, oh, shit, some cream corn. Okay, and here's half of my oh, shit, I've got my mouth is stuffed, and I've got everything in at once. Hold on, brother, let me digest this. Mm -hmm. Let me just catch my breath, take a sip of water, wipe my mouth, catch my breath. Now, what were you talking about? Some uh, candy yams. That's the same Mm -hmm. thing as a wrestling match. Yep. You think about it, and that's part of the learning. You gotta know it's like a drum beat. Find that pace and let it breathe. Why you let it breathe? Well, there's many reasons to let mm-hmm. it breathe. But mostly for the fans to stay in tune to what you're doing is gonna be I don't know what the hell's happening. Mm-hmm. So Tony, like always, it was a blast having you here to share some more stories for those listening. If they aren't already following you on social media, where can they find you? Goodness. Well, I got almost all of it. I got, uh, it would be at Tony Cozina, uh, at TikTok, my goodness sake, but TT Cozina and then the number one, that's Twitter. And, uh, what else? That's Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, which I don't do much with. Well, I do put some of our training stuff on Snapchat. Uh, and and so you get little snippets of what the guys are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Facebook. That's mm-hmm. just my name. I'm very so, uh, I'm very excited for what you guys are doing down there and with the borders uh, opening. I'm excited for the uh, the potential with all this. So uh, thank you so much for joining me again. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you again for everybody wondering. You know what's next you know folly returns in one week and one day and he's got meetings right now that he's in and there's likely let's just say sometime let's say may june maybe july there should be some announcements made official announcements. that's my guess right so put that in your back pocket don't don't swear don't swear on it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna venture a guess and say there's gonna be some pretty big announcements finally made regarding us moving forward to Japan Pro Wrestling down here in Oceania. I'm loving it. Thank you so much, Tony. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys later. Thank you so much to Tony for joining me on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. Definitely check him out on all of his uh, social media accounts, the Twitter, Facebook. Check out his TikTok and see what he's going on, got going on on there. Um, so thank you so much to him. Thank you for checking out the podcast. I truly appreciate it. I say it every time. I will always say it. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to me talk about wrestling. So thank you for that. If it's your first time listening, you can find me up on Twitter at Grainmaker Pod. Um, we can talk wrestling up there. 
email grainmakerpodcast at gmail.com. You can shoot your questions, comments, concerns, all that stuff there. Up on Facebook, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. And uh, up on all podcast platforms. So Apple, Spotify, Google, you can check me out on there. And if there's one you want me on but I'm not on, just let me know and I'll do my best. T-shirts, you can check out whatamaneuver.net. Search Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. You can grab your shirt from there. It's based out of the States, though, so you will have shipping and uh, exchange rate. Fair warning for that. But if you are in Winnipeg or, hell, if you're in Canada, let me know. If you're in Winnipeg, I will hand deliver a shirt for you, 25 bucks a pop. If you're in Canada and you want a shirt, hit me up on, uh, shoot me an email, and I'll send you the shipping prices and all that, and I will get a shirt out there. I'll hand deliver the shirts in Winnipeg. You know, give you a fist bump, we'll talk wrestling, you'll get a great shirt, good times. Half of all the profits of the shirts goes to a local nonprofit, Ray Winnipeg, so it's going to be helping out. So it's for a good cause. So grab your shirt, look fashionable, and uh, support local independent wrestling. So thank you again for checking out the podcast. We'll talk soon.